If you know me, you know that I can be impatient. And I've always been impatient. And I know for a fact some of you are like me. We hate waiting. We hate waiting for anything. Well, this morning for the impatient and the patient types, I have a test of impatience for us to take. Now, this test is only four questions. They're going to be on the screen, and then I will read them as well. And with the test, you're going to have three choices, three answers, A, B, and C. And to score the test, each time you answer A, you get zero points. B receives one point, and C receives two points. And so as we go, you're going to need to total your score for the question. So if you're like me, you wanna, might want to keep track of them on your fingers. And I would add that this is a completely unscientific test. So the first question. At the checkout counter, or checkout line in a store, do you A, pick the first line and get in it, B, count to see how many are in each line ahead of you, and gauge how quickly they are moving before you get in line, or C, once in line, do you have a feeling of frustration when the other lines move more quickly than yours. And remember, if you, score, if you picked A, that's zero points, B is one point, and C is two points. Question number two. How do you react to gridlock during rush hour traffic? A, I sit back, enjoy the music, the talk radio, or conversation with whoever's in the car. B, I try to find the fastest lane. Or C, my blood pressure increases, my pulse tops 130, and I use words that a Christian should not use. Again, A0, B1, C2, keep track of your points on your fingers. Third question, how long will you wait to be seated at your favorite restaurant? A, however long it takes. B, 20 to 30 minutes. C, wait. Who waits? And then our fourth question. You are going to an event you enjoy. It's time to leave. You are ready. Your spouse, date, or friend is still getting dressed. Do you A, wait in joyous anticipation to see their face? Or B, do you pace and get aggravated by saying nothing when they come out? Or do you see, and I have done this and learned my lesson, get in the car, start the engine, honk the horn, and fume. Okay, total your points. The maximum number of points you should be able to get is eight. And zero, of course, is the minimum. And here's the scoring. If you scored zero to two points, you are a godly example of patience. You should lead patience seminars. If you got three to five points, you can be impatient, but impatience doesn't control you. It doesn't rule your life. Or if you scored six to eight points, impatience definitely does rule your life. It robs you of joy. Please get help and maybe talk to someone who scored zero to two points, but don't be impatient with them. So how did you do? I won't make you raise your hands. I'll just let you know I scored a six or a seven. And I need help, but I'm much too impatient to get it. So let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, you work in your own perfect timing. You are patient with us, your children. You love us. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. But we're not always so patient. We get impatient with ourselves, with others, and even you, God. Teach us concerning patience. Show us how faith can grow in waiting. And Father, we ask you to be patient with us. We are blessed to know that you hear our prayers. You never leave us, and you help us to walk in truth and peace. Amen. If you were here last week, we took a break from our study of John's gospel to celebrate Pastor David's licensure. And today, as we heard Carolyn's children's message, you know that we, you might know that we're listening, looking at the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. It's one of the most well-known stories in the entire Bible. If you want to look in your Bible or your app, it's found in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. Now, I'm not going to read the entire passage this morning. I, I will say this, though. Even if you've read this passage or heard this passage read a hundred times, I'd encourage you to, to read it again this week because there, there is so much in this narrative. We, we can't cover it all in one message. And so this morning, we're going to focus on just one facet, one small facet of this narrative. And our, our focus is going to be on what Pastor Scotty Smith calls the discipline of delay. The discipline of delay. Smith says the discipline of delay or the discipline maybe of waiting is one of the hardest, most difficult and challenging lessons we must learn. And it's particularly challenging when God is the one who seems to be doing the delaying. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, learned this discipline as they waited for Jesus while their brother was dying. And I know many of you have had similar times of waiting in anguish. Maybe you waited for God to heal your loved one of cancer. Or you waited hoping that a relationship could be restored. You cried out to God as a child or a spouse or a friend walked away from the faith. You maybe felt the weight of the world on your shoulders. Or you asked God to lift you out of the pit. But maybe you were excited for a new opportunity, but it never materialized. You wanted God to act. You needed a miracle. And God seemed so slow to answer. And, and in times of waiting like that, it might lead us to question, does God care? Does God really care about me? The answer is he does. And he will act. But it's going to be in his timing and in his way. But while we wait, we should remember that the Lord has a purpose. The Lord loves us. And he will answer. Those are three truths we're going to look at. But before we do that, we're going to go to and review John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. Now, I don't think I can share it as well as Carolyn did. For one thing, I don't even have a prop. I think she took it with her. But anyway, the chapter, as you heard earlier, begins 
with news that Lazarus was critically ill. His sister sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And Jesus then replied and said the illness would not lead to death, but it was for the glory of God. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but he stayed two days longer where he was. And then without another message from Mary or Martha, Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus had died. And Jesus added that he was glad that he wasn't there so that his disciples might believe. Now, if you listen carefully, it sounds like Jesus contradicted himself. First, he said the illness would not lead to death. And then he said that Lazarus has already died. But of course, Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was not going to stay dead. There was no contradiction. Four days after Lazarus died, Jesus showed up. Martha ran out to meet him. She declared, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Her, her words to Jesus were a statement of unrelenting faith. And Jesus replied to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus then came to the village, and Mary came to him. And she too said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, both sisters had faith in Jesus. But that faith was about to grow exponentially. Jesus then went to the tomb. And as Carolyn said, he wept. It wasn't simple tears. It was heartfelt moaning and crying. He prayed a prayer of thanksgiving for what was about to happen. And he commanded that the stone be rolled back from the tomb. Jesus called Lazarus to come out. And Lazarus came out. Jesus raised a man from the dead. Raising Lazarus was the seventh and final sign that's actually recorded in the Gospel of John. Now a sign is a miracle performed by Jesus. A sign revealed a Jesus' deity. Jesus' signs made it clear that he was the Christ, the anointed one of God. The seventh sign, though, also showed that Jesus had power over death. Only God has such power. Knowing that changes everything for us. No matter what happens to us in life, we can know without a doubt that Jesus' promise of heaven is real. And so let's just take a few minutes this morning. We're going to talk about the discipline of delay, the discipline of waiting. The first thing we learn about waiting is not to forget that the Lord has a purpose. In John eleven four, Jesus said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Later in verses 14 and 15, Jesus added, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And finally, just before Lazarus called 
Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. Jesus prayed. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Those passages, those verses make it very clear that Jesus had a purpose in waiting. And that purpose was first for the glory of God. And second, it was to, so that people would believe Jesus and know that he was Lord and Savior. Belief in Jesus leads to eternal life. Waiting on the Lord had a profound effect on Mary and Martha. Jesus was using their waiting to strengthen their faith. He was developing in them an unrelenting faith that was more important than a healing or even raising their brother from the dead. They learned that they could trust in the Lord, they could trust in Jesus, even in the darkest of times. And then one verse passed where our reading ended in verse 45, John wrote this. He said, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in Jesus. That day, the faith of others grew as well. Still, waiting is tough. And the answer we get from God isn't always the answer we desire, but we remember that God sees the big, big picture. He is in control. We don't always see. We don't always understand. In Isaiah 55, 8, the Lord declared, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. At the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph, if you remember Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he faced many, many terrible times in life. He said to his brothers, he said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. We don't always understand, but God has a purpose. He cares. Commentator Kent Hughes said it this way. When a child dies in his mother's arms as she cried to God for help and the ambulance lies stalled two blocks away, we wonder if God cares. When a Christian is falsely accused and pleads with God to bring the evidence to clear him, and it's only after his reputation is ruined that the evidence comes, we wonder if God cares. When we plan some great event for God and the whole thing falls through, we wonder if God cares. Through all of our waiting, through all the pain that we might experience, we remember that the Lord has a purpose. He wants us to trust in His Son, and when we do that, it glorifies God. God does care. Jesus does love you. And that brings us to the, to the second thing that we remember while we're waiting, and that is, don't forget that the Lord loves. The Lord loves you. Mary and Martha knew that Jesus loved them. When they sent word to Jesus in John eleven three, 3, they said, Lord, he whom you love is ill. John makes sure we got the point. Two verses later, he wrote, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He named all three. 
When Jesus saw Mary weeping over her brother's death, we are told that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And then Jesus wept. And those who witnessed his tears said, see how he loved him. Before we go further, though, I want to ask a question. And it's, it's a question for thought. And, and the question is this. Why did Jesus weep? Was it A, because he specifically grieved the death of a friend, even though he knew he was going to raise that friend from the dead? Or B, was it because he grieved death in general? Was Jesus grieving the sinful state of man that led to death? Was Jesus feeling the weight of the sins of the human race on his shoulders? What do you think? Scholars have argued over this, but my thought is, yep, both reasons. Of course Jesus grieved death itself. Death is an evil intruder that entered the world as a result of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus also very specifically grieved Lazarus' death. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. He was with them in their pain. He felt it. And Jesus loves you and he loves me too. And that is awesome news. And such love helps us patiently wait. The next time we're tempted to be impatient with another person or with God or a situation, we should remember that Jesus loves us. And we don't forget that the Lord will answer. The most astounding part of this story is that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. John wrote, he said, the man who had died came out. And if you've been in church all your life, you've heard this miracle so many times, it's so easy just to gloss over it. But think about it. Jesus raised a man from the dead. It, was a, it showed, foreshadowed Jesus' own resurrection. This guy had been dead for four days. And now he was alive. That's incredible. But I'm always reminded that Lazarus died again. Unless Jesus returns first, every one of us will face physical death. And that's horrible. But never forget we're promised eternal life. Your eternal life began the moment you declared Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Eternal life means that God is with you today. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. Jesus will never leave you. And it also means that you will spend eternity with God in paradise. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are in heaven with Jesus right at this very moment. Our loved ones who have died and who had put their trust in Christ are with the Lord. God answers. He answers our prayer. He doesn't always answer the way we desire. He doesn't always answer in the timing that you and I want. He doesn't always bring physical healing. He may not restore that relationship. He might not remove you from the pit of depression or whatever. See, God knows what we need more than we do ourselves.
And while we wait for God's answer, give him glory. Trust in Jesus. Remember, God loves us always. And then waiting can actually draw us closer to God. The climax of this passage happened when Lazarus walked out of the tomb. But the, the key question of the passage took place earlier after Jesus had declared this, when he said, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Well, right after that, Jesus asked Martha, he said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? It was a question to Martha. It's a question to all of us. Martha answered with an unrelenting faith. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. See, saying Martha had an unrelenting faith means that she had faith even though the future seemed very uncertain. At the moment when Jesus asked her if she had believed, her brother was still in the tomb dead. Horrible, terrible circumstances were not going to shatter her faith. We're living in what appear to be very uncertain times. We need an unrelenting faith like Martha's. We might wonder, when is this pandemic going to end? Will I or a loved one get seriously ill? We may wonder what's going to happen with the November elections. Do the results mean a great change for our nation one way or the other? We might wonder, will the battles that are going on in our nation now over race equality, calls against police brutality, disagreement on what law and order looks like, and whatever else, will that ever end? We wonder when we again will be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Mary and Martha had to wait. Jesus had the death of Lazarus under control. He knew exactly what he was going to do and what would happen. And we too need to wait on the Lord. Jesus has today and tomorrow under control. His purposes will be fulfilled. He loves you. God is bigger than a virus, civil unrest, and an election. And I've said it many times beginning back in March, we have faith, not fear. I didn't come up with it. You can buy it on a shirt, but it's a great message. Faith, not fear. And as we wait, let us not be impatient. Seek to develop the discipline of delay. The stronger our faith is, the better we will be able to handle delays, the better we'll be able to wait on the Lord. But when God answers, however he chooses to answer, our faith should grow. We will praise God. We will develop an unrelenting faith in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning from different places. We're probably all waiting for something. It could be we're waiting for our health to improve. We could be waiting for the pandemic to end. We could be waiting for life to go back to normal, whatever that is. We might be waiting for a loved one to declare your son their savior. And Father, as we wait, it's so easy to get impatient. We want our answer. We want it now. We want it the way we want it. But Father, we know that your timing is perfect. Your will is perfect. Your will will be done. We know when we put our trust in your Son as our Lord and Savior that heaven is our home. And that no matter what happens to us in this life, we have paradise for eternity. Father, as we think about the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, let us remember that your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And He gives us life through grace. And let us hold on to that.